It's the last Friday in June. The whole summer is ahead. It's like the perfect time of the year, except we can't go out anywhere and have to stay home and stay safe from the coronavirus. It's This Week in the CLE News Podcast from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with colleagues Laura Johnston and Jane Cahoon. End of the week, guys. Oh, and I'm off next week, so (laughs) going to a great lake. Well, much deserved break. I hope you enjoy it. Let's uh, let's get straight to this first story. It's my favorite news of the week. What is Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder thinking with his suggestion that the state house secede from Columbus? This is way up on the wacko scale. Jane Cahoon, what is he thinking? He wants Capitol Square to be his own little Washington D.C. You know, maybe he's seen those. Um, barricades and, and fencing up around the White House, and, and that's what he has in mind. But, you know, he's he, he's researching, he says he's researching whether the Ohio State House and the grounds around it could be legally withdrawn from Columbus city limits. Now, the reason he's mad is because they had these recent protests where the State House was vandalized with red handprints, red paint handprints, and he claims that the Columbus police stood down and and didn't do their jobs. And he's mad at Governor Mike DeWine to, you know, for not protecting the state house enough. And so he he wants this to be under the control, I think, of the attorney general or something. He said all this during an interview Thursday on a uh, Christian podcast. Well, if it's a Christian podcast, maybe he's thinking like the Pope. He wants to (laughs) be the Pope. This is the new Vatican. Right. He wants to be the Vatican City. He wants to dress the state troopers in in frilly colors and parade around the grounds. I mean, this is pretty much idiotic, right? I mean, he couldn't get this done even if he wanted to. I mean, Abhoff would have to go along. You might even need, what, a constitutional amendment, right? I mean, you're creating the sovereign state you know, of the state Andrew, house? Andrew Tobias, who did this story, uh, tried to reach out to some experts on the Ohio Constitution. and He, he wasn't able to get any, but but one person who didn't want to go on the record, just said, hold on, let me stop laughing. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, it's crazy town. I mean, it's like one, what would the practical effect be? Right. Because right now, if he's upset with the Columbus police, when it's part of their jurisdiction, they'll do nothing if it's not. So he's going to have to, what, bring in an army of state troopers and a whole bureaucracy? He's a Republican, yes. right? He believes this in West government. I mean, didn't the governor blame the state troopers to begin with? He yeah. said there wasn't enough state yeah, troopers. Right. And the so governor they did say there them. wasn't enough, so he's deployed more. Now they're all over the place. Um, he wasn't happy about the vandalism either, and he, he said, we need more protection. He's not asking us to cede. No, no, he's not. He's not. What I think, what I think in Northeast High and Cleveland, we should make a deal. We'll give you your sovereign state of the state house if you'll give us in Northeast Ohio the sovereign state of the Western Reserve, and we break through of all the rural legislators that keep passing laws that Why nobody. Why did up we here know that with. that's where anyway, you're going with this, Chris? Of course I was going with this. We're, Larry Householder and his crew keep passing laws that no one in Northeast Ohio wants to be governed under. So if he can secede, why can't we? Anyway, what a great way to end the week with one of the wackiest stories to come out of the state house during the Householder reign. He's just swung fully over. He started, you know, so sage and collaborative, and now he's just shooting off nutty ideas. It's this week in the CLE. 
What is going on with the huge jump in coronavirus cases in Ohio this week? This seems, Jane Cahoon, like we should be getting very frightened. We we were down with an average of 384. And then a week ago, we hit a switch and it's it's all out of control. We had almost 900 new cases yesterday, more than any day, except when the prisons were getting their mass tests. What's well, going on? More people are getting infected, apparently. <laughs> I, even the governor <laughs> says, you know, you can't just attribute this to more testing that the experts tell him that there's something else going on here. We had 892 new cases, and as you said, the biggest single-day jump since since April when they did all that prison testing. We're seeing a surge across the country. I mean, there are states that are wigging out. I mean, Texas, the very conservative state, is is imploring people to wear masks and stay home. Arizona is out of control. And the other thing that is striking about all this is the big increase is people in their 20s, which we're seeing some of that in Ohio, right down in the southern part of the state, which is seeing. Yes, a pretty we big are. Surge. And um, during the governor's briefing on Thursday, he had a doctor from the University of Cincinnati who talked about this, um, that, yes, they're seeing this trend of younger people getting the, the virus, you know, in other, other states and here, too. And they talked about how younger adults tend to be um, tend to be more like risk takers, and you know that this isn't just because of the increased testing availability, but in actual infections and and transmission. And they're they're concerned that the you know the younger population they don't get as sick as the older adults, and and they could be have mild symptoms or be asymptomatic and. They may not be isolating and could be spreading it to more at-risk Ohioans. You know, the, this is all happening roughly three weeks after the state reopened. There were a lot of people that thought the governor, who had done such a great job listening to his scientists, like former health director Amy Acton, and shutting down the state, you know, stopping the surge from coming, that there are people who believe he caved to the business interest and reopened too quickly. And this could be evidence of that. Time will tell. The frightening thing he said yesterday is that maybe the way to deal with it is on a county by county basis, which is something he was dead set against in a briefing not two months ago because this had come up before. And now he sees it as the solution. What's a little frightening about that is if you start making county by county restrictions on people's movements come November the urban areas could have tight limits that change the way we vote, whereas the rural areas that largely vote Republican do not. We're going to have to watch really closely to make sure that this isn't some plan to meddle with the election. Right, we sure are. But the the governor did say that this is going to whatever is going to be done would be done in consultation with local officials. That he he doesn't plan to just impose things. That that this is yeah. <laughs> right, because he doesn't want to get blamed anymore. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, that sounds like I. You know, I did this. I got hammered. I've reopened it. Let's have somebody else take the take the brunt of it. I mean, look, it's a good argument that the local officials know what's going on locally. It just it as soon as he said it. I mean, he was dead set against this when it was suggested before the rural areas disaster to do things piecemeal i believe that was his exact word well and part of it was the same argument they use for not allowing local gun laws because people traveling about the state 
wouldn't wouldn't know what's changed as they cross borders. I mean, he his, this was his argument, and now he's espousing it, which which should raise suspicions in everybody's minds. Why is he now espousing that when we're five months away from what looks like a very close presidential election in Ohio? We'll have to see. It's this week in the CLE. With almost no real firework displays coming for July 4th, are people taking matters into their own hands and blowing off fireworks at home? Laura Johnston and Adam Faris had a fascinating story about a, a disturbing trend of people having a lot more fun. Having a lot more fun What's and blowing on? off their hands as well. Um, no, well, <laughs> it's a possibility, yeah. though, when you mess around with the fireworks. He did have a story earlier this week about a guy severely injured when a firework did blow up in his face. So this happens about 9,100 times a year in the United States that people are injured. Bet it's going to be way up this year because resident complaints for fireworks have sh- like sh- shooting off like crazy, exploding. I mean, all of the puns you can come up with fireworks. Um, there's a 461% increase in Cleveland alone. Other places have a sevenfold increase just with noise complaints because of the uh, fireworks. Yeah, that that was that was what was so striking is because he had the raw numbers and you're talking going, you know, from a few dozen complaints to many hundreds of complaints. And and even in the suburbs that aren't seeing those numbers, they're seeing double. I mean, there's a whole bunch of entering suburbs that are seeing double. And I mean, is this just because people are bored because they're stuck home in the coronavirus that they've turned to exploding Uh, things? It sounds like it. I mean, that's what everyone's attributing it to, the fact that everything's closed. Most of the fireworks uh, shows are canceled for the year or at least way postponed or socially distant. and They're trying to make them work. So people are just buying them themselves. And remember, Ohio is this crazy state where you can buy fireworks. You're just not legally allowed to set them off which now the state house could be changing and actually allowing, but um, a lot of people are against that because they think there'll be even more injuries. Well, and given what happens over the next week, we're right. still we a week away more than a week away from July 4th. We could have a lot more complaints and a lot more accidents. Anyway, interesting trend. Good job by uh, Adam Faris ferreting it out. It's this week in the CLE. Should Cleveland be branded, rebranded as Kindland? Laura Johnson, this is, this is one of those little stories that seems to be growing. Hundreds of people are signing on to the idea of random acts of kindness. Yeah, What's when I first about? saw this, I was like, Kindland, really? But it actually has... It beats Flavorville, right? Yeah, what, what, what do they want to call yeah, right. uh, Columbus. Um, it actually has some meat behind it. This Mayfield-based nonprofit called Values in Action Foundation is promoting the idea that acts of kindness are contagious and can lead to a healthier population, a more productive workforce, and a greater quality of life. So this foundation's working with local leaders, local celebrities, professional sports franchises to sign up people to push this idea of being kind with each other. The goal is to document 1 million acts of kindness by the end of 2021. They've already got 50 people signed on and it's growing. So it it, it does sound really hokey, but apparently this works. Jane Cahoon, wouldn't there be a greater need for this in Columbus, (laughs) given what's going on down there lately? I yeah, given the what's been described as the toxic nature of, you know, the relationships between Republicans and Democrats in the legislature and the tension with the governor, I, I think this could go somewhere. Yeah, they they, yeah. they ought to take it to Columbus first and then branch out because there's there's a greater need. Now, this is it's a nice thing. And, it, you know, it, the, the random acts of kindness can be small things like 
school students celebrating the work of a fellow student all the way up to uh, the food bank and what it does every day to, to I keep guess people in 2017 the foundation took this to one Cleveland high school that had violence issues and that year suspensions were down 70% and the graduation rate was up 45% incidents of violence and gang activity basically disappeared so hey i'm willing to try anything let's do it yeah it's a good idea you're listening to this week in the CLE So will I be able to get rid of my front Ohio license plate after all? This was something that came up uh, more than a year ago, I think. Right, Jane Cahoon? And and was immediately controversial. All sorts of agencies came out of the woodwork to try and reverse it. So it kind of sounded like it wouldn't happen. But it's (laughs) going to happen, right? The requirement in Ohio to have a front license plate is going away July 1st. And you are right. Yes, this dates back to... Well, Governor Mike DeWine signed the transportation budget in April 2019 that made this change. But there's been debate about this for years, really. And I think when DeWine signed the budget, he admitted he wasn't a fan of getting rid of this requirement. But he thought there would be enough time with the, with the July 1st, 2020 um, date here that, you know, there would be more discussion on it and and maybe they would they would try to block it. And in fact, they did. There was another bill that that came up and school bus drivers and law enforcement people and others really pushed to bring back this requirement. But the bill just didn't go anywhere. So lo and behold, we now don't don't will not have a requirement. Well, and the, the problem is once it goes into effect and people take them off and and get rid of them. If you bring it back, they're all going to have to go back to the state to get new license plates. Maybe that's the goal is the, then they can get just on the price. The, um, I, I, I'm, I am surprised though, because it did seem like the people making the argument to keep them had the winning argument that, that at, at toll booths and things that where they take pictures of license plates, wherever there's automation, it's easier if you have both. And the, um, Right. The Uber, you know, we've had horrendous cases of these Uber and Lyft where you you dial in and you call and somebody pulls up in front of the person that's waiting and it turns out to be a kidnapper that does harm. The license plate is the identifying factor. And if you don't have it on the front of the car, it's harder to see. I, I what, what caused this to go away? Because they had so much momentum, I thought, to get it done. Is it just the legislature doesn't want it? Well, part of part of it is that, but the the auto dealers also had um, made a case to them about this not being practical for you know the electronics and the vehicles and so forth. So yeah, they claimed that where you're screwing in the license plate, you were messing up the electronics. <laughs> that always sounded a little bogus to me. So so how about it? Are you going out next Monday and taking the front license plate off of your cars? I, I I'm not I really going to. Can. No, not clearly planned on it. <laughs> I am. <laughs> the minute I can. Why, why does this bother so, you so much, Chris, okay. having that plate there? It's, it's <laughs> a libertarian kind of leaning. It's like, I'm if I don't thinking, have to have one, um, I'm not I bet they're one. pretty rusted on there. Like, I feel like that would be extra work that I'm not in a hurry to do. I, I'm not saying that I, I violate speed laws <laughs> when I'm driving, but... If if I were to accidentally touch the <laughs> gas a little more than I want, reducing by some chance the the idea that I'd get a ticket, that kind of appeals to me. 
Okay. It's, it'll be interesting to see how many people get rid of them. <laughs> I'll, I'll be watching. It's this week in the CLE. What's the latest screw up in Cuyahoga County government and how does it affect the much beloved Cuyahoga County library system? You know, on this podcast for a while, it seemed like we were talking about Cuyahoga County government screw ups every week. Lately, we've just been talking about Cuyahoga County controversy with the way they award contracts. Maybe Bill Mason, when he became chief of staff, has reduced the screw ups. But Laura Johnson, we have a new we do. It, it? The resolution passed by library trustees asking for a tax increase proposed a one mil tax increase. But then they have to go through the county to get it on the ballot. And county council passed a, a measure asking voters to approve both a one mil tax increase and a replacement for an existing 2.5 mil tax. And that was over a decade ago. Of course, we asked, and the county law department would not admit whether the county had made an error or not. But but, but again, we right. discovered this. They didn't discover this. Reporter Courtney Stoffy picked up on this. And of course, when she's asking questions about it, was getting the runaround big time. So what, what and, and also, uh, Rich Exner noted that if they make an alteration to that old tax, that it actually right. hurts us even more because it because grandfathered into that old tax. It's a some 12.5% discount, discount that uh, taxes passed before November 2013 gets. So if you replace um, a tax, I think renewing keeps it, replacing gets rid of it. But there's a big difference between these two taxes. Um, the one mil increase would cost about $35 a year for the owner of a $100,000 home. Replacement with the increase would be fifty three dollars. Why didn't they just fess up and say, "Oops, we screwed up"? I mean, and it kind of like doubles the pain, right? I mean, you know, Courtney notices, "Hey, that's not what the library asked you for." You would think they'd say, "Oops, you're right. Thanks. We'll get that fixed clearly or and soon." Instead, it's the runaround. I I, I don't know who did that. Apparently, they like that. the and, news you know, like because we're now going to have to write another story when they fix it, right? They like they like the extra scrutiny, right? Well, and you know, Dan Brady's name is on it as the introducing council member, and he had nothing to do with it. The, the law department that Armin Budish oversees is the one that draws up the legislation. It's just, it's just another one of those where you know, just take the pain. You screwed up. People make mistakes. Fix it. Move on. But they always make it difficult. You're listening to This Week in the CLE. What's the new health condition that might qualify for treatment with medical marijuana? Jane Cahoon, I'd never heard of this. Please yes, explain. Yes, it's a wasting syndrome called cachexia, and it occurs as the result of other diseases like cancer and HIV and AIDS, uh, kidney or heart failure. And it, it's usually characterized by weight loss and, and a breakdown of your, your muscles. So the State Medical Board of Ohio is going to soon evaluate whether to add this to the list of conditions for which you can get medical marijuana treatment. Is that a fatal condition? I mean, does it eventually, you just, you waste it away and you, you yeah. don't survive? And so the, the way the, um, they, the reason they want medical marijuana for this is because it can really stimulate a person's appetite so that they can eat and en- enjoy their food. Really? Yeah, the munchies. I, so. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's a little trickier to treat it with conventional pharmaceuticals, you know, because of side effects and, and different things. But, um, 
so anyway, the, the, it's it's not a given that this is going to be added. The, the medical board seems to have a lot of reluctance to add any kind of new conditions, like they refuse to add anxiety or autism, because they feel that once they add something, they can't take it off the list because of the way the law is written, even if it's shown that it's not effective later or something. But the legislature, you know, they they passed this and they said that really wasn't their intention and that, you know, they should be able to add or remove conditions anyway. But even if they don't add it, you know, if you, if you have this syndrome, it could be because of one other condition that is covered under medical marijuana. So chances are you could still get it anyway. You'd think that they would, for any condition that has the potential to be fatal, they just go ahead and let you use the medical marijuana. I mean, why not? But you're right. They've been very wiggly on some of the things that have come before them. It's this week in the CLE. Why did the head of the Black Shield, which represents black police officers in Cleveland, backtrack on what he said about defunding police? We've talked about defunding police and how that whole conversation has been co-opted about, you know, just let's get rid of money for police and reduce police instead of the discussion about taking some of the things police do and making it more of a civilian thing, like dealing with mental health crises and some of the other services uh, what happened with the head of the Black Shield? He got a ton of backlash, um, including a 700-word screed from former union president Steve Loomis. So Vince Montague spoke uh, with the Metropolitan Bar Association virtual panel discussion on June 16th, and he said he was willing to listen to the community's calls for police reforms. But what people heard and what his colleagues heard in the police department is that he was all for this defunding the police and thinking that he wanted to cut the police department. So he went on the record with Corey Schaefer yesterday to straighten out the record saying he he's willing to listen to these calls. He doesn't necessarily support taking money away from the police department and, and try and get back in control of this discussion rather than just be ostracized from the department. It's it, well, he, he's a victim of the, the co-opting of the discussion. I mean, that, that, that's what's so unfortunate is there are people. I think we have an op-ed going from somebody that kind of lays this out. There are people that, that want to have a constructive discussion about what should police be. We haven't really thought about this in 100 years or more. And and right now they're everything. You dial 911 for any problem you have and the police come and they're armed and it's pretty horrible. And the op-ed, the, this person is discussing um, some good news videos she saw about police because they stopped a kid from killing himself and things like that. But what struck her is this, this militarized guy with a gun and all the equipment is the one that's trying to stop the kid from killing himself. And maybe that's not the best approach because that's kind mm-hmm. of scary. Um, and I think in this case, um, we had somebody step into the same kind of controversy. It's too bad because it's a good conversation. However, it ends to just kind of reevaluate how we deliver services to people, whether it's mental health services or writing traffic tickets. And but um, but I don't know that we're going to have it. Even even the mayor, um, Frank Jackson, when he talks about this, um, kind of gets diverted into the defunding argument. He also addresses some of the other elements of it, but it. But there are people that are saying we should just cut the budget. It's too big a budget because public safety is the biggest budget thing. Uh, We'll have to see if this reduces the controversy with the Black Shield. It's this week in the CLE. 
It's summer. It's nice out. If I want to get out my bike and ride alongside of Amish buggies in a rural paradise, is there someplace I can go? I asked this question, Laura Johnston, because travel writer Susan Glazer gave us the answer yesterday in a delightful story. Yeah, I had never heard of this. And I love Amish country. (laughs) I'm surprised my mom hasn't pushed me to go to this. But it's called the Holmes County Trail. It's part of the Ohio to Erie Trail that runs north-south through Ohio. It's one of a kind, the only place that we know about that you can ride bikes next to Amish buggies. And Millersburg is in the middle of it. It's chip and seal on one side for the horses and buggies and then asphalt on the other for cyclists. And it's got 24 miles in two parts. Um, and like I said, Millersburg in the middle. And one of the reasons they built this was because the buggies were up on regular roads with cars. And by building a trail that would serve both bicyclists and, and buggies, you made them safer. And Susan and her daughter went down and, and rode it over a couple of days. They they went to the middle and rode one way and back one day and the other way and back the other day. And they did indeed pass horses and buggies. And they, they, they just made it sound like a great excursion. It's part of right. a much longer trail that some more hardy bicyclists were doing where you're out there for days. But, uh, but yeah, it made, I mean, it made me want to throw the bike on the she car. She said it's and go totally flat and that it's very lightly trafficked. So if you ever go on the towpath, you might feel like, oh my gosh, all you do is like passing on your left and like it can get very congested there in the summer. Uh, whereas this sounds really delightful. It is close to some major roads because that was the idea, right? To get the buggies off the roads, but keep them going in the same area. So, but she said it was lush and green and it does sound really nice. Well, check out Susan's story on cleveland.com or on Sunday. It'll be in the Plain Dealer. You're listening to This Week in the CLE. Well, that does it. Another week in the books. Nice uh, nice conversation again. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Jane. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and do something fun. You didn't sound that enthusiastic when I asked if you were excited about the end of the week. I hope that changes. <laughs> yes, we're getting very excited, <laughs> right, Laura? Oh, I'm I'm super psyched. My husband's birthday's on Sunday, and I was like, "What do you want to do?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know what there is to do yet." You know, oh come on, man! It's June yeah. in Cleveland. It's like go outside. It's uh, come on. It's a great time. Okay, uh, thanks for listening this week in the CLE. We will return on Monday.